So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're having an amazing day. And man, uh, we have some pretty cool content coming up. Uh, I got a chance to hang out with Jordan Peterson for a little bit at a VIP event. Um, He did a tour. We have an incredible interview coming up this week with, uh, well, kind of more of a discussion with my buddy Shane O'Neill. And we have next week an interview with a guy named Benji Nolot, who is the founder of Exodus Cry. And he's actually inspired today's content. And uh, you're going to see why in just a, a probably about a minute here. But all this to say, we got some really exciting stuff uh, up ahead. And I want to take this moment just before I jump in to just ask you very kindly if you would consider leaving a rating or a review on your podcast platform. This is how we grow the podcast. We don't collect advertising dollars. We don't have sponsors. We, you know, we get people reaching out every once in a while, but we admittedly have not pursued it. I'm just trying to keep things, you know, pure, clean, easy listening. I I don't want any hidden incentives or motives. Like my only motive with the podcast that I've been pretty overt about is, you know, we have a coaching program and we do hope that if you get value out of our content and you're looking for help quitting pornography, that if you see enough value here, that you would then consider our program. That's like the big marketing strategy of this. But I know, I mean, we have 210,000 downloads. We don't have 210,000 customers. And so I know that a lot of you guys are just finding value from the podcast itself. That's no problem. But if you're willing to do something in return, a rating or a review goes a really long way for us getting the word out and changing more people's lives. Today, we're talking about the five ways that pornography and sex trafficking intersect. And like I mentioned, this was actually inspired by my interview with Benji who's the founder of Exodus Cry. If you don't know what Exodus Cry is, they are a rapidly growing movement of um, advocates and I would say fighters that are really trying to raise awareness and ultimately take down the sex trafficking industry. And they've been wildly successful. I mean, if you've heard about anything like uh, Visa and MasterCard ending their relationships with Pornhub, if you've heard about um, any major exposés that have gone viral about under uh, our um, minors being filmed and their content being distributed on porn sites. I mean, any kind of story in the arena of exposing the toxicity of the porn industry and sex trafficking Exodus Cry has pretty much been at the base of it, one way or another. And so um, in that interview, we'll get into all the good stuff. I mean, Benji is a very good storyteller, and the way that this whole movement came about is very gripping. But in the middle of that interview, he shared something that I wanted to do a separate episode on because I think it's, it's standout material, and I think you guys need to hear it. So that's what I'm sharing today. This is going to be rather sobering material. And um, not not in like a doom and gloom or an oppressive kind of way, but th- there are some stark realities of how pornography intersects with sex trafficking. 
And I haven't talked a ton about it. Um, we've had Helen Taylor also from Exodus Cry on the podcast. She talked about it, but I wanted to do a, a standalone episode and, and dive into this a little bit. Here's what I'm hoping you'll take out of this. Number one, I hope it'll at least awaken your senses to what you're actually supporting when you watch pornography. One of the biggest lies that we believe when we fall into a consumeristic mindset, whether it is about pornography, whether it's about food and groceries or about relationships or whatever it might be, the biggest lie we believe is that we're the only people affected by the decision to consume. That is incorrect. It is always incorrect. It is always false. The reality is for you to consume, something first had to be produced. And how that something is produced matters tremendously. Now, it's interesting because when it comes to, you know, materialistic items, like, you know, I I don't mean that in like a, a vain way. I mean, like things that are actually made of materials like clothing and supplies and groceries obviously would be another thing. They're not fabricated, but they're produced. Those things are the way they are produced is actually pretty concerning, you know, and it's interesting to see how people are being exploited and the impact it has on economies and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not well researched on it. I'm not going to pretend I am, but it it certainly is eye opening. And for pornography, for pornographic content to get produced, there are insidious, toxic, I, I would say, straight up evil agendas that take place. And whether you like it or not, when you choose to watch pornography, you are fueling these agendas because they are they run on attention. That's the currency. The currency is not money because you might be like, well, Cynthia, I don't spend any money. That's what people always say. When we ask them, you know, what's been the cost of having porn in your life all these years? Oh, I haven't spent anything on it. Oh, yeah, you have. You would not be, you'd not be having this conversation if it didn't cost you something cost you your time, cost you your attention. You've been paying a lot of your attention to this absolutely like heinous industry. So don't kid yourself, there's a cost. And what I want to outline today is just the specifics around what this cost might be and what you're fueling. Now, I know for a fact nobody quits just because they hear about, oh my gosh, I had no idea this is what it was causing. I'm never going to do that again. It's easy to say that, but I think as far as long-term fruit goes, it's null. Like there, there's there's not a lot there. However, I'm hoping that this could be a catalyst, something that would expand your thinking, something that would uh, awaken your senses to use that expression again, something that would maybe apply a bit more of an impetus on why you need to quit and why this thing is bigger than you and it's bigger than just your loved ones or the people that are in close proximity to you. So let's talk about these five things, all right? The first is the predatory nature of prostitution. For people to find prostitutes, they are incredibly predatory. They look for people that are innocent. They look for specific kinds of features, and and they are literally preying on them. They are coercing. They are manipulating them, trying to get them into prostitution. Now, that's the obvious side. The other predatory element of it is actually the brothel owners or the, the johns preying on men, men who are vulnerable, men who are insecure, men who are visually driven as most men are. There's a predatory element there in their marketing materials and the way they're targeting their client base. It's incredibly predatory. Number two, prostitutes are required to perform in porn in ways that they do not actually want to. So 
there are now dozens, hundreds of accounts of people being forced into rape scenes on video and then it being sold as quote-unquote consensual pornography. So you can see how this starts to become a, a problem um, where you have people that are actually being forced into something that's not consensual at all. But then from a marketing perspective and from a consumer perspective, you know, when we're in our aroused, triggered state and we're looking for content, we're not really conscious of like, oh, we're the people I'm watching consensual in this scene or not, right? Because we are so focused on our own selfish, fleshly desires getting met. So that's the second way. Number three, child victims of sex trafficking were shown pornography as a way to groom them into sex trafficking in the name of love. All right, this is uh, this is absolutely disgusting. But if you think about how many children are trafficked, and we don't know, but it's in the hundreds of thousands of of children that are that are basically trafficked into you know some sort of sex profession, I guess, or or, or whatever you want to call it. Well, the way they learned what was expected of them to perform was pornography. So pornography was used as a way to groom them, right? And it's it's never presented as like, hey, this is pornography. It's presented as love. And Benji will talk more about that in the interview next week. Number four, pornography uh, has been used to fuel men's appetite for prostitution. And this was maybe the most alarming thing that I learned from my interview with Benji. But what he said is, in their research, you know, they spent about four or five years talking to Johns, talking to brothel owners, and then talking with buyers as well, and, and talking with the prostitutes, like just trying to understand all the different players in these scenarios and trying to figure out like what are the commonalities, where are the patterns. The most staggering pattern for them was that every man that bought a prostitute, every man that they spoke with that made some sort of purchase at one of these brothels or whatever, and this is in like different locations across the world, different demographics, different socioeconomic statuses, like tons of variety in the demographics. But the one thing they all had in common is that they had a problem with pornography from a young age. So really let that sink in. See, people don't realize, it, it, it's like, imagine imagine some, uh, your 12-year-old child, whether you're a father or you're going to have kids one day, imagine your 12-year-old child smoking a cigarette. You know that if they continue down that path, smoking cigarettes, it's only going to get worse. They're going to become more dependent on it. And in the process, it's going to deteriorate their health, their skin, their teeth, like, like their life expectancy, like everything suffers if they keep doing that. So think about that. The, the, the effects that pornography has compared to a cigarette are manifold, like way, way more and in way more different ways. It's a way bigger problem. So much so that what's, what they observed is that if you get exposed to pornography at a young age and you're watching regularly when you're young, your propensity for prostitution and other more uh, extreme sexual acts or high-risk sexual behavior becomes higher. Not guaranteed. Okay, it's not like, oh, if you, you know, grew up watching porn when you were young, you're going to hire prostitutes. I didn't. But admittedly, like, I remember when I was probably 15, 16 years old, I'm watching all this pornography. I'm not really having much luck with the women or the ladies in my class. And I remember thinking like, oh man, I can't wait till I'm 18. I, can, I have my own car. I'm a consenting adult. I can just go hire someone. Like, I, I remember having those thoughts. So the conditioning is there. 
And number five, the way that pornography is created, now this is not true of amateur, but of mainstream porn production, which is obviously a majority of it, um, is that they they basically use multiple layers of coercion. So they tell them it's a vanilla sex scene and you get X amount of dollars. And so when they show when they show up, someone's they've already spent that money in their head, right? Because they they're expecting the money and they they know how they're gonna spend it or what they're gonna do with it. Usually they're targeting people who are, you know, not particularly well off. They're, you know, college age girls who are obviously in student debt or, you know, that kind of stuff. And then basically in the middle of the video, they change the script. They say, oh, well, um, actually, we need you to do X, Y, and Z if you want to get paid. And because they've already, you know, bought things, whether they've actually purchased them or in their head they've already bought it, they feel more compelled to move forward. Now, obviously, there's a part on there where it's like, you know, people should know that, like, you don't spend your money in your head uh, just because it's promised to you, right? But again, um, that's the very minor component of this. Like, if I was going to try to be at least a little bit uh, objective... The reality is, um, it's th- these stories are common. I mean, we've had Brittany Delamora, we've had Joshua Broom on the podcast. Both of them can testify to being forced to do things, or certainly being coerced to do things, to uh, that they really were not comfortable with things that were, you know, like clearly stated in their contract. I don't do this kind of stuff. Uh, but if they want to get paid, well, there's your choice. You know, you can do it or you cannot do it and not get paid. So these are five ways that pornography and sex trafficking intersect. I hope this opens your eyes a little bit. And again, you maybe feel a conviction. Maybe maybe this moved you enough and you're like, you know what, I'm never going to do it again. That's awesome. But you're going to need to take some more steps as well. So just don't, don't ride the emotion of this moment, but certainly let this sink in and, um, and let it awaken your, your eyes to just what you're really indulging in when you do choose to watch pornography. There's more that meets the eye. And if we really want to make a difference in this, guys, if you really, if like, if you're like, Sathya, I would love to see this industry eliminated tomorrow, then stop watching it because it is a supply and demand industry, like every industry. And if there was no demand, then there'd be no supply. So chew on that one for a little bit. And that is how you can pick or play your role rather in helping this thing leave and and eliminating this thing altogether. So anyways, that's everything, guys. Uh, Again, if you find value from what we're providing here, please leave us a rating and review on your platform. In the meantime, have an amazing day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon.
The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.